morning to all of you. Thank you for joining us uh, in this time on our live stream service. Uh, today is the Sunday after Ascension. Ascension is uh, uh, celebrated on the th- Thursday, which is 40 days after uh, Easter. And that was this past Thursday, which is the 12th of May, uh, 13th of May. And uh, we uh, remember the event in which Jesus, as he was speaking to the disciples on the Mount of Olives, ascended right before their very eyes. And, uh, you know, ascension is important because uh, it, it, it tells us certain things about who God is and who Jesus is. Uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I wish Jesus was still walking amongst us, right? He uh, certainly went about when he was here on earth to heal the sick. And I wonder if he were here, whether he would really truly help and, and solve the pandemic. He wouldn't have any problems with uh, lack of oxygen supply or inadequate hospital beds. In, in some ways, you know, you um, um, fantasize and think about that. But that's not what has happened. Jesus uh, had to return to heaven. And I think there are great benefits to it. But in particular today, I want to focus on the gospel reading, which is found in uh, John chapter 17. Because one of the things that we know that Jesus does, uh, because he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, is that he prays. In uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 34, it says, Who is to condemn? Uh, Jesus Christ I, I, actually, I need your help because I can't seem to control. Yeah, thanks. Uh, no, Romans 8. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who, is indeed, who indeed is interceding for us. That Jesus Christ, who died and rose again and ascended on high, intercedes for us, that's also what Hebrews uh, 7.25 tells us. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. And um, the comfortable words when we do the Holy Communion, which we often say in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, We have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He intercedes for us. He pleads our case. He is our advocate. In other words, he is the one who defends us, right? Uh, When the accuser of the brethren comes against us. And we know that he prays for us, but the question we may have is, what does he pray? And I think looking at what is often called the high priestly prayer, is uh, very um, uh, helpful because it gives us a clue as to how Jesus prays for us. He prays certainly beyond that, but I think there's some encouragement when we look at his high priestly prayer, uh, at what he prays for us. Someone called the high priestly prayer of Jesus in John 17, uh, the other Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer that we normally pray is a prayer that was given to us by the Lord. But this is his prayer for us instead. So I want us to look at the passage, and, 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 and the first thing we see from this passage is that Jesus prays for us as his disciples. In verse 9, he says this, I'm praying for them. 
I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. This them and they whom he refers to are the disciples. And he says he's praying because they belong to God, that they are not of the world, and he's not praying for the world. Uh, it's surprising because we often uh, remember John 3.16 says God so loved the world. If he so loved the world, why is he not praying for the world? Well, we have to see in its context the way uh, John or Jesus uses the term the world here in his high priestly prayer is he speaks about the world as if um, uh, it's uh, something beyond just the people of the world. In fact, the whole high priestly prayer, I sat down and I counted 17 times he uses this word, the world. And the Greek word is cosmos. And I went to check, and it could mean this, the system of human existence in its many aspects. In other words, it's about the systems of the world. It's about the cultures of the world. It's about the worldview that people carry, uh, uh, which are contrary, the values which people have, which are contrary to what God intends for us. So when he speaks about the world, it's, he speaks about this uh, um, um, system or way of thinking which is different. That's why in verse 6, he starts out by pointing out that I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world, that he delivers us from darkness into his marvelous light, that we are called out of that system, called out of that worldview, called out of that culture in a sense, to be set apart, to be different be out of the world. But wait a minute, you know, if Jesus is praying for the disciples, what does it mean for us? Actually, it's not part of our reading today, but if you were to skip down in the passage to verses uh, 20 and, and onwards, or verse 20 itself, it says this, Jesus actually prayed this, I do not ask for these only, in other words, the disciples who are with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And that means you, and it means me, right? Because we have come to believe because of the word of the disciples, because of what was written in the New Testament, which was written by the disciples, because of their account, which has been passed on to us. So Jesus is actually praying for us in this high priestly prayer, which is why we can get a clue as to how he continues to pray for us. So he prays for us. But what does he pray for? I think one of the key things he prays for is for our protection. Verse 11. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Protect them by the power of of your name. Why? Because they are still in the world. That, you know, it's not time for us to leave the world as yet. And that we are, are ultimately in a system, in a way of thinking, in a, 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 a ways of operating that are contrary often to how God intended life to be. Right? That's the world in which we live. In fact, Jesus understood this because uh, uh, early on in John's Gospel, John in his prologue, as he sets things up, he points out in John chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, he says, He, meaning Jesus, was in the world, 
And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And, you know, the reality is Jesus um, caused controversy wherever he went. He seemed to carry a different set of values, even against the religious authorities of the day. The way he thought, the way he taught, the way he ministered, the grace which he demonstrated, the love which he embodied, ran so countercultural, so much against the systems of the world, the way we would normally think, so much so that he found himself in trouble. And this was, of course, being prayed the night before he was betrayed, or on the night that he was betrayed, where he eventually then went to the cross the very next day. That's why in verse 14 of John 17, he continues to pray. He says this, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And in a sense, you can see this um, uh, uh, juxtaposition that he's setting up, the, the, the way in which the world seems to be an enemy of the people of God. How, you know, uh, in, in a sense, uh, they are at odds with one another. We are at odds with the systems of the world. James chapter 4, verse 4, uh, gives us a clue because James goes on to talk uh, to the disciples later or to, to those of us who are Christians. He says this, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. This is why, uh, you know, actually it's derived from this high priestly prayer, this uh, um, saying which, you know, Christians often talk about that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. That we are ultimately citizens of heaven, that we march to the beat of a different drum. That is the reality that we find ourselves in. After we have come into faith uh, in Jesus Christ, after we have uh, uh, given our lives over to Him, after we have chosen to follow Him, we find ourselves still at odds, still in trouble, still in conflict at times. But it's interesting, when Jesus prayed His prayer protection, it was not to say, you know, take them away from all this trouble. Remove them from the the pain and the difficulty that they face here in life. Verse 15 continues of John chapter 17. He says this, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. But that you protect them from the evil one. And in some ways, uh, you know, if I can skip back to the epistle of James you know, James understood that. He, he pointed out that, you know, to be a friend with God, you end up being an enemy of the world. But if you try and be a friend of the world, you end up making God your enemy. And he points out that despite this, in verse 6 of James chapter 4, he says this, But he, that is God, gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee 
from you. That Jesus' prayer is ultimately to protect us from the schemes of the evil one. To help us withstand uh, those who come in opposition to us. To resist the devil. And so ultimately uh, stand firm and he you know, has to flee from us. So Jesus prays for us as his disciples. He prays for our protection. But thirdly, he prays uh, for our unity. And I'm going to skip back to verse 11. Sorry that I'm skipping around because I'm, I'm trying to make a point of how Jesus prays. I'm not doing it in an exegetical manner necessarily, but you know, drawing from the text, we understand this. In uh, verse 11, um, he says in the second half, you know, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. His prayer is for us to get along, that we would be uh, united in, um, uh, 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 um, not just in, in name, but in spirit and in relationship. Psalm 133, of course, you know that uh, verse well. It says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in, together in unity. So he prays for unity. But you go on and you see, what is this unity for? Verse 18 of John chapter 17 continues, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. This is why Jesus prays for unity, because he's sending us back into the world, into hostile territory. We need one another. But unity is not just that kind of fellowship where, um, you know, forgive me I, if I date myself, <laughs> where you hold hands and uh, you know, hug one another and sing kumbaya. I don't think uh, the younger generation understand what I'm talking about, but you know, when you are in the campfire and some of the things you do to sort of uh, um, you know, have the feels, the, the, the nice feeling of being connected with others, you would identify with that. Unity goes far beyond that. Unity is unity for a purpose. Again, the passage uh, beyond, uh, or in this, beyond the passage that was read, we go on to read in verse 21 of uh, John chapter 17. His prayer is that they all, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The unity that God desires, the unity that he prays for, the unity that he calls us to, is so that a watching world, the people around us, the systems of the world, may watch and see and believe that there is something different, that this God that we worship sent his son Jesus Christ into the world. Unity is unity for a purpose. It goes on in verse 23, Jesus prays, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know you sent me and have loved me even as you, I have loved them even as you have loved me. Elsewhere, earlier, if you read in John chapter 13, he gave them a new commandment. And he pointed out that if you love one another as I have loved you, 
they will know that you are my disciples. And, you know, the, the, the unity that the church is called to, not just our local church of uh, Good Shepherd English Congregation, but the broader church, the parish, the diocese, the rest of the church in Singapore, and even beyond into the rest of the world, the purpose is so that we may uh, provide evidence of the love of God, of God's love, that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. You know, if you stop and you think about it, in reality, there isn't really much of a human reason why we ought to love one another. Humanly speaking, we only love those who do something for us. And I suppose, you know, in, in, in Good Shepherd itself, we've uh, developed enough of a relationship that, you know, we've uh, got people we can turn to when we are in trouble, that we are, uh, um, have a shoulder to cry on uh, when we find ourselves in times of need. But if you stop and think about it, and, and you look at the church, right, uh, compared to the world, look at the people of God compared to the world, you know, the world... Uh, tries to divide us. The world tries to tell us that different classes cannot mix. That races, you know, have uh, different unique characteristics that they can't get along. Even genders have problems relating to one another and cultures and language. And I could go on and on and on about the growing tribalism that we find ourselves living in. But you know what? It's not just suddenly cropped up here in the 21st century. This has been the human uh, condition all throughout history, in all honesty. That the divisions that make us uh, see um, um, us versus them, that cause us to, to uh, despise those who are not like us, are H.O. They've been there for as long as uh, um, um, life has existed in some sense. But what God does through His cross in Christ Jesus is He demonstrates His love for us so that we can love Him in return. And in that love, then learn to love one another. Learn to love our neighbours as ourselves. And I think the unity of the church is indispensable in that way. You know, I, I've said it before, but I, I don't mind repeating myself. I think you realize that I, I can be sometimes a bit chonghae because I <laughs> repeat what I say again and again. But think about it. You know, if you as a single person, because of your unique character and um, maybe upbringing, you find uh, people speak about you as a very nice and good person because you seem to love everyone, you seem to have... Uh, no problems with anyone, you have no prejudices, and you get along well with everybody, it's actually kind of easy to dismiss a single person who seems or appears to be a good person, who behaves in this particular way, you know, as unique. And, you know, you say, oh, his parents must have brought him up well, or he must be a person of, or she must, must be a person of uh, good character and, and, and the like. But when you gather a church together, like ours, which isn't a very large church, you know, 180, 200 people. And you look at all of them who come from different backgrounds, different upbringings, different characters, personality types. And when you find that, you know, they seem against the odds to have a relationship with one another, to transcend 
the barriers that the world would set up for us. I, I remember um, vividly this illustration of uh, um, um, Christian unity once when I happened to be at a hawker centre up in, if you remember, uh, uh, Marina Square used to have a famous uh, hawker centre at the top on the roof where they had a lot of nice hawkers. And we went uh, for a meal and because every, of course this was pre-COVID times, you share tables all the time. Uh, uh, sorry, I talk about it when you can't go to hawker centres for the next month. <laughs> I'm not trying to make you more hungry. But I remember going and, uh, with my wife and we sat down. We shared a table with a, a, a couple of guys who were sitting there. And we asked, of course, can we join you? And they said, yeah, sure, you know, take a seat. And so we sat down. And uh, um, um, Karen went off to order her own food. And I sat there and I was observing them. I mean, observing without staring, trying to be, you know, uh, uh, not too uh, obvious about observing but it was kind of strange, you know, when I looked at them, it's like an odd couple in that there were two men. One was a young Chinese uh, guy who was probably, at that time, I was young, okay, I was in my uh, late 20s, so he may be slightly younger than me. But then the other guy was an older uh, Indian gentleman. I, I, I wanted to say elderly, but I think, as I think back now, he was probably about what age I am now. <laughs> so I'm not old, right? So, okay, older gentleman. And they were engaged in quite a, um, I couldn't hear what they're saying, but obviously in um, intimate conversation, they were sharing with one another, they were talking at length and depth. It wasn't superficial, the relationship, the body language and the way in which you know, they were just chatting with each other. Even though I couldn't hear exactly what they were saying, you could tell that these two guys were good friends. And it, you know, it struck me, it's like, this is kind of odd. This doesn't happen in society normally, right? Two different races, two different generations, and yet such a close uh, relationship. And of course, because they started the meal before us, they finished. And when they got up, both of them, I couldn't see because they were on the other side of the table, both of them picked up Bibles and they walked away. And it was like, wow! You know, in, in, in my mind, it was a, a wonderful illustration of the unity that God brings about in Jesus Christ, where there is no Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, but we are all one new man in Jesus Christ, one new person in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Earlier, I pointed out that this passage tells us that, you know, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. But if you look at it again, what in essence, Jesus is actually saying to the disciples and praying for them is this, that we as his disciples are not of the world, but we are being sent into the world. And as I conclude, I want to remind us, you know, that our vision for this year of 2021 is a vision of crossing over. Crossing over not just to be in this nice new facility from which we can uh, uh, live stream our um, service this morning, but also crossing over into the um, mission that God has called us to into this new estate that's coming up around us here in Queenstown. And in the midst of that, the verse that we are reminded of is how uh, God speaking to Joshua as he was in this transition, saying to the, him, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go.
And so, uh, Church of the Good Shepherd English Congregation, as I share with you, let us remember that as we cross over, let's cross over with the love of God in our hearts, recognizing all that He has done for us. But as we have received this love, let us love Him in return. And ultimately, that love then leaks out and, and, and overflows in our love for our neighbor, just as for ourselves. Jesus prays for us as we do that. He prays for our protection. Not that we will not encounter difficult times, but that in and through it, Satan's schemes will not prosper. That he will carry us through no matter what we face. You know, we, we face this situation, some people could moan and say, oh, what's going on? But I believe that the Lord uses every circumstance for His purpose. And even this current uh, lockdown, as much as it's uh, difficult and onerous, I believe God can also use, you know, give us time to, to spend in, in terms of our, I, I don't know about you, I think the last circuit breaker, the f- first circuit breaker, which was over a year ago, I found that I spent a lot more time in prayer and a lot more time in, in devotion and scripture reading. I hope you will do that too because you don't have to commute anymore because everyone's supposed to be working from home. You may have a, find a bit more time on your hands. Take advantage of that and allow the Lord to encourage you and say He's praying for protection over you, not to uh, operate in fear but in faith. But also recognize that Jesus prays for us to be united with one another, to love each other as Christ has loved us so that we can be strong and courageous in the face of opposition, in the face of fear, in the face of discouragement. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus who has ascended to your right hand, continues to intercede on our behalf. He prays for us as the righteous one, that whenever we fail to live up to that which you have called us to, whenever we sin, whenever we fall short, he is our advocate. He pleads our case on our behalf. Thank you, Lord, that he also continues to pray prayer protection over us and that we can be strong and courageous as we step forward in faith, attempting great things for you and expecting great things from you. And Lord, as we move into this uh, phase two heightened alert status, where um, a lot of our uh, gatherings will have to be curtailed and most of it will have to move online. Lord, I pray that we will encourage one another and continue to look out for each other, especially those who may um, have great difficulty in this uh, um, period of time, to be mindful of each other's needs. But Lord, to not only do that, but also to look for the needs of others beyond ourselves as Christians so that we can be channels of your love to a world that's in desperate need of it. All these things we ask and we pray in your Son's most precious name. And all God's people say, Amen.
turn time over to Evangeline as she uh, leads us through the rest of the service. Thank you, Pastor, for the word of comfort. We'll now take up the tithes and